I'm Jordani Karma, and I'd love to read ever since I can remember. Last year, I set off on a reading adventure I called my Year of Fiction, choosing a specific genre or theme in adult fiction each month for a year. Discovering so many new genres and authors to read was amazing and informative, and I thought I was ready to ditch my careful reading list once my Year of Fiction ended. But after a month or so of picking up books at random, I realized I missed that month-to-month structure, and I wanted to find it in my reading life again. The right framework frees up my reading life, keeping me focused on enjoying the book in my hand, instead of feeling pressured to pick up the next shiny new read, or distracted by the hundreds of other titles on my TBR lists. That's why in this new season, I wanted to detail the reading frameworks and guidelines that help me pick my next read. I hope my reading journey helps you find what works for you. This is Season 2, Episode 1 of Reading Like an Adult, and in this episode we're going to talk about the perfect reading month. I told myself that in January 2021, after a full year of reading fiction based on detailed reading lists I'd planned months in advance, I would read whatever I wanted to read. Side note, if you didn't already listen, season one of this podcast is about my year of fiction, each of 12 episodes capturing one month of my reading experience. After a year of following my structure to read fiction, I was ready to branch out. I jumped from memoir to Mexican gothic to millennial quarter-life crises, picking up whatever next read seemed shiny and appealing. It was fun for maybe a month. And I'm sure approaching books that way works for a lot of readers, but for whatever reason, I get restless and my reading life suffers when I don't give myself some kind of structure. I missed my month-to-month themes. I missed my reading list. By late February of this year, I was ready to take on a month of reading by theme again, and romantic comedies felt like a good place to start. I made myself two reading lists to tackle in March 2021 this time choosing a theme for fiction and a second theme for nonfiction. I chose six books to loosely follow my romantic comedies theme for fiction. I started with One to Watch by Kate Stamen London, a wry, sparkling, chiclet escapade about B, a fashion blogger who reluctantly makes her reality TV debut as the first plus-size main squeeze, a fictionalized bachelorette. It's a blend of women's fiction, romance, and contemporary fiction. Heads up for a few open-door scenes. The book is part B's perspective and part what I would describe as found media, fictional Jezebel-esque blog posts with the inevitable backlash against a reality show where men vie for the attention of a plus-size woman, tweets where fans and haters alike respond with their takes on B's adventures, and messages between coworkers who are cooked on the show. One to Watch was a great place to start in my reading month, a deliciously smart and self-aware, fun and fast read that I devoured in two or three days. Also on my list for a month of romantic comedies, Love Lettering by Kate Claiborne, a still new and shiny read from a buzzy author, Love and Other Words by Christina Lauren, the prolific author team who also wrote The Unhoneymooners. Little Beach Street Bakery by Jenny Colgan, and The Undomestic Goddess by Sophie Kinsella. 
If you've been following this podcast or people who like things, my Substack newsletter about the writing life and refilling the creative well, you know that I love Sophie Kinsella. I've been hooked since I read her Shopaholic series as quickly as I could get the next book downloaded on my Kindle in COVID-19 lockdown. If you liked Becky's adventures in Shopaholic, The Undomestic Goddess is written in a very similar vein. Samantha Sweeting is an ambitious young lawyer about to make partner at her London firm when she discovers she's made a fatal mistake in her work. She flees to the countryside and stops at a house to ask for directions only to stumble into an interview to be a housekeeper. It's women's fiction centered on another hilarious heroine who goes on a zany adventure and finds herself. And it's definitely classic Kinsella, a screwball comedy with a lovable lead, a touch of romance, and that dominoes falling into place set up in finale that she does so well. I ended this reading month with The Bromance Book Club by Lissa K. Adams. Note, this was a true romance read with some serious open-door scenes. I loved the premise of baseball superstars who secretly have a romance book club so they can understand the women and their lives better. Of these six reads, I would say The Bromance Book Club and Love Lettering were true romantic comedies, with the other reads falling under women's fiction, although they were similar in tone and style to the proper rom-coms. For the other half of my reading month, I chose three non-fiction titles for a theme I called Parties and Fame. The three books I wanted to read along this theme were Dead Famous, An Unexpected History of Celebrity from Bronze Age to Silver Screen by Greg Jenner, Very Important People, Status and Beauty in the Global Party Circuit by Ashley Mears, and This Season, A Social History of the Debutante by Kristen Richardson. Reminder that you can get a list of all the titles mentioned in this episode in the show notes at readinglikeanadult.com. To me, all three of these books fell into a theme of parties and fame because they collected stories about real people, some household names, some not, trying to find meaning in social glory, in being known and admired, and often in an indulgent, decadent lifestyle. I was really excited about my parties theme, but it didn't end up being one of my favorites. Dead Famous is written in an irreverent style that I enjoyed, but the way the author organized the stories about fame, by topic, not chronologically, just didn't work for me and I found it hard to follow after a while. Very Important People was informative and well-written, but much more academic than I'd realized it would be based on the cover. I was hoping for a hard-to-put-down narrative nonfiction read, but this was more a book I'd pick up again after going into research mode for a project. Of the three, I enjoyed the season the most, and I definitely made a mental note to read more about Brenda Fraser, an American socialite who reached celebrity status. Her debutante ball in December 1938 was a worldwide sensation, and she eventually made the cover of Life magazine just for being a debutante. If you're interested in reading more in that vein, the season would probably pair well with reading the Bridgerton series for fiction, or watching the Netflix version, or perhaps with reading American Eve, Evelyn Nesbitt, Stanford White, The Birth of the It Girl, and The Crime of the Century, if you want to do a deep, nonfiction dive into It Girl fame. Overall, March was a fun reading month, and it checked off a lot of titles that had been on my reading list for a while. As every reader knows, it's hard when you're skimming a list of hundreds of books, any of which could be the next one you pick up. 
All of these books were on my to-be-read list, but approaching them in this way gave me a mental framework to choose each in turn as my next read, plus a specific time frame for reading them. For the next month, the theme I chose to tie my reads together was a little more ephemeral. There were several books on my TBR list that were ostensibly very different, but to me all fell into this reading theme I called Southern Ladies. The three reads I chose for this theme were The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Disha Filia, Southern Lady Code by Helen Ellis, and The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. These are three very different books. One is a collection of short stories, one is a non-fiction read with humorous essays, and one is a horror novel. But approaching the three of them as facets to one theme for the month enriched the reading experience of each, letting me dive into a world of strong, funny, powerful, surprising women and stories set in the South. I loved this reading theme. I'd recommend the spare, haunting, tender stories in The Secret Lives of Church Ladies to fans of Britt Bennett and or anyone who loves the classic short stories of Alice Munro. Women writing funny essay collections is a comfort genre for me, and Southern Lady Code by Helen Ellis didn't disappoint. Both of these books also happened to be the perfect reads for my season of life at the time, because I didn't have much time to read, and short stories and essays are great for reading when you only have small chunks of time here and there. The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires was an I-don't-want-to-put-this-down-until-I-get-to-the-end read for me. I think I finished it in a weekend. I really enjoyed the balance of this story. It had enough setup for you to care about the characters and be lulled into the soft southern setting of a small town where everyone knows everyone else. But the pacing picks up quickly and puts you on a classic horror-esque thrill ride that you don't want to put down until the end. I loved rediscovering reading by theme. But after a couple of months of following this structure again, I realized there was another lesson from my year of fiction that I needed to bring back. Putting down books I'm not excited about. Because I got so excited about each new theme, I fell into the reading trap of thinking I had to finish every book I put on my list for the month. Every new month felt like the new perfect reading month where I would love every book on my list. I tried to push myself through reads I wasn't connecting with because the theme had felt so whole and perfect in my mind when I made that month's list. One theme, for example, that had sounded so appealing when I made a list for it but didn't pan out was the idea of reading books about quarter-life crises. Think Sweet Bitter by Stephanie Dandler, Bright Young Things by Scarlett Thomas, and Maybe In Another Life by Taylor Jenkins Reid books featuring people, mostly women, in their 20s who have no idea what they're going to do with their lives. I made it around 100 pages into Sweet Bitter and had to put it down. It just wasn't the right read for me. For whatever reason, I love a messy indie movie where nothing happens. The type of movie where almost all of the action is people sitting around talking, but I can't connect with the same kind of story in book form. Bright Young Things was an odd read that started out with decisive action and a fascinating premise, then also ended up being a book about people talking with not much else happening. I finished it just to see if something would happen, and honestly, I kind of regretted that decision because it wasn't the right book for me. I ended up reading Maybe in Another Life a couple of months later and did enjoy it, but I couldn't get it from the library in time to be part of that reading theme. 
So as far as reading months go, my quarter-life crisis idea wasn't a big success, but at least it reduced my way-too-long TBR list by a few titles. Currently, I'm reading what I think of as big fiction, best-selling titles, the type of book you see on blockbuster summer reading lists, reads I've been meaning to get around to when I can be in the right frame of mind for them. I'm reading Nine Perfect Strangers by Leon Moriarty on audio, and The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett in print, while Beach Read by Emily Henry and Broken Harbor by Tana French are ready to go on my Kindle. Between you and me, I have the next six months or so of reading planned out by theme. Maybe it's a little crazy, but I find that structure freeing. It keeps me from being paralyzed between too many potential reading experiences. Do I want to read a favorite author's backlist? Or that buzzy new summer fiction read that everyone's gushing about? Or an obscure short story collection? Or a weird fiction read? Or a fascinating memoir? Everything I'm excited to read goes into a reading theme for a specific month, so I know I'll get to it and I can relax and enjoy what I'm reading right now. It also helps me to come to TBR books in the right frame of mind, especially for reads that I know I'll enjoy but struggle to reach for. Literary fiction, psychological suspense, and historical fiction, for example, are genres that I want to read but have to be in the right mindset to pick up unlike contemporary YA and women's fiction, which I can read and enjoy at basically any time. Some of the upcoming reading themes I'm excited about include a return to science fiction. You can read about my experience from last year in Season 1, Episode 8 of this podcast. Also, a deep dive into women's fiction and a theme I'm calling books about books, aka novels of characters who work in bookstores or libraries, and those somewhat meta-reads about books and what stories mean to us as humans. Think The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern, or The Storied Life of A.J. Fickrey by Gabrielle Zevin. But I know that sometimes a theme will come along that doesn't want to wait until the next month, or six or seven months from now. About halfway through July, I suddenly needed to explore a reading theme inspired by The Actor's Life, Jenna Fisher's Handbook for Aspiring Actors. I chose several contemporary YA titles that have been on my TBR list for a while that all had storylines related to acting and the film industry. I enjoyed Everything Leads to You by Nina LaCour, and Now That I've Found You by Christina Forrest. Somehow, it was the right time to read both of these books once I hit on this reading theme. Each month, I relearn that I'm the one in charge of what I read. I make my reading lists, and I can change them anytime I need to. If I'm ever stuck on the idea that I have to finish every read on my list, then I know I've lost sight of the true goal, finding stories I connect with, learn from, and enjoy. If you're intrigued by the idea of a reading month and would like for me to put together one for you, you can go to peoplewholikethings.substack.com to subscribe to my newsletter and get personalized book recommendations tailored to your reading life delivered to your inbox. Thanks for listening. We talked about a lot of books in this episode. If you'd like the list of titles and authors, you can go to readinglikeanadult.com for the show notes. This episode was written, narrated, and produced by me. I'm Jordani Karma, and I'm glad you're joining me on this reading journey. In the next episode, we'll talk about the right reading lists, how you can take charge of your